Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. In case you do not know, this is a podcast I do here at least monthly in two different forms. First of all, I do it here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. If you'd like a visual form here where I kind of show what I'm actually talking about and sometimes do even a little bit of show and tell and such on here, but typically if I'm, for example, looking at an article, I do show that on screen. I also do have this available for you all in an audio only form because this is a podcast and you can listen to it and consume it like an actual podcast. Simply go to your favorite podcasting app, host, or provider, look up Mod Chat, all one word, and you should hopefully be able to find it. It's not available on all of them, but it's available on most of them out there. Either way, I do know this episode is going to be coming out here pretty late in the month, and my apologies for that. Just been busy this month, but I did still want to get something out here this month. This is going to be airing after Thanksgiving for anybody who is celebrating. So hopefully if you did celebrate, you've had some good food and you can kind of just relax and listen to this here at this point. You might also notice if you're checking out the visual version here that I am not showing up on a camera just by my own choice here. However, I did decide to do something a little bit fun here. I'm going to have some install footage playing and it's going to be a little bit of a teaser of something to come here. And don't worry if you can figure out what this is uh, while well, the videos are done and they are ready to go. So stay tuned for December. Either way, let's go ahead and jump right into things here. The first one being some cool PS1 and PS2 related stuff here in this article that was over at PSX Placed posted by TNA named the next big thing for PS1 and PS2 hacking a small dive into a bright future via the memory card port. And it looks like we have this cool looking 3D printed but I guess homemade you can say memory card device here and it's covering and stating here. The future of PS1 and PS2 hacking has just begun. Memory card port things for the PS1 and PS2 are going to have a big influence in the future. MX4SIO as a simple adapter has already shown what is possible and can be replicated via simple tools. And for anyone who does not know, MX4SIO, well we can actually check this out here. MX4SIO is this project here where it is open source and available, but essentially you can take an existing PlayStation 2 memory card or even I guess a PS1 memory card here, or you can manufacture your own PCB and essentially hook up a port to connect either a micro SD card or a SD card and as long as you have a method of booting up homebrew on the PlayStation 2 you can actually use this to even boot up homebrew games and do extra stuff on here the cool thing is loading from the SD card or micro SD card from the memory card slot is actually faster on the PlayStation 2 than using the USB ports, if you can believe that. So that's where the appeal is here. But yeah, you're just able to use this for not only development debugging, but one of the biggest use cases here has been using this to run games through the memory card port through a micro SD card or an SD card just like this using OPL. So with that, jumping back here, they do state the next big thing will be more complex hardware emulating PS1 and PS2 memory cards, as well as other devices. One of these is now available and is completely open source hardware and software. So this is a brief introduction and a summary of SD2PSX they're saying here, which is 
the project that we're covering. So SD2PSX by XYZ, it is a fully open source hardware and software project. It sports an OLED display. It has a USB port for debugging, flashing of firmware, etc. There's two buttons on it. It is usually a 3D printed case, but a molded case is possible as well. It's compatible with PS1 and PS2 hardware and software, currently only either one depending on the firmware. Okay, so that is that is good to note there. You pretty much just have to flash over whichever firmware you want and then put it into PS1 or PS2 mode. Got it. Then here, free boot for PS2 works, open tuna for PS2, and free PSX boot for PS1 work. So even summarizing them here, FMCB or free McBoot is probably the most widely known method of loading up homebrew on a PlayStation 2 where you make use of the independence exploit through the memory card itself. Uh, open tuna is similar to, it's pretty much a open source re-implementation of Fortuna, and if you don't know what Fortuna is, Fortuna was big because it worked on third-party memory cards, so it didn't really have a reliance on MagicGate, unlike, you know, Free McBoot, where it works best on MagicGate-enabled cards, but Fortuna, the other thing with that was it worked on the slim models, like all the slim models of the PlayStation 2, and for those who do not know, unless you have a mod chip PlayStation 2, you cannot use free McBoot on a later slim console or even that TV model that has the PS2 built in. So Fortuna works on those ones, but Fortuna was closed source. So OpenTuna, I have covered that before, was a reverse engineering effort of Fortuna and then re-implemented and open sourced. So that's where we have OpenTuna here. There's kind of the quick summary of that. And free PSX boot is cool because this is essentially a memory card modification in a way for the original PlayStation. Now I've covered that in separate videos as well too but essentially you install this to a memory card and whether you're using a exploit game or whether you're just using the modification which kind of takes over the whole memory card itself and then you trigger the exploit in there through the menu you're then able to boot up something such as the Tony Hacks loader or you can use another loader on there I, I know there's two of them there's the Tony Hacks loader and there's something else but essentially that allows for further development debugging and you are able to also pop in imported games, backed up games, and all that fun stuff on there. So that's kind of what free PSX boot is, of course, for PS1. Uh, either way here, going back to this, MX4 SIO compatibility or a custom mode for OPL BDM might be possible. And they're stating this is cost efficient at below $20 or euros. The hardware can already be produced, but keep in mind this is a first test revision. In my opinion, this is the start into the next big phase of hacking the PS1 and the PS2 via available and cheap but useful components as well as already available software. Looking over at the GitHub page here, we do have a big project and page for SD2PSX and it looks like you do have the PCB available. So let's look at this here for example. If you want to, you can download the latest release and it looks like you have all of the files that would be here. So really you would have the Gerbers, you have everything available and it even has the production notes like the PCB must be produced in 0.8 millimeters thickness. And stating the case requires a slim OLED module, the more common full-size module will not fit into this case and something like this here. There's a few links to compatible modules, some more information, and even some assembly tips as well too where you would get something 
a little like this. Checking out the firmware here. Let's see where this is going. It looks like this is being developed by BBSAN2K as well as XYZ. And this is still currently in development right now. The case here, let's see, you've got a few revisions of the case. And it looks like, again, you can just download this and, you know, print it out or mold it. Just create it however you want to on here. It looks like there's an Arduino FAT16, FAT32 library that's been forked for this. And finally, there's also a research page here uh, just saying check the releases page for logic analyzer captures all right that's cool pcb picks oh okay looks like we have some pictures here that we can access so just looking at this these uh, fuji work ones the hori ones looks like these are for existing memory cards already so again just for research and such on here and going back to this just looking at some similar projects which could be comparable on here uh, for example from 8-bit mods there's the mem card pro which i know that's a yeah commercial one that's stated here that's been pretty popular 8-bit uh, mods also just announced the mem card pro 2 here recently but of course that's not yet available the pico mem card which we have covered that before mem card max looks like that's by darren anderson and helder game tech which is not available yet i don't know I'll, actually i'm just learning about this one here and then a friend of the channel here balika does have a project that's coming up but not all too much known about that either way this is a cool project to see here for sure so i am looking forward to seeing more of this here in the future and if we can get something pretty readily available that would kind of just do everything pretty easily for the ps1 and ps2 for a memory card that would be fantastic to see. I do love stories like this. So this is from Wolo and this is covering Gran Turismo Sport and a new offline patch by developer Illusion right here. So I love this just because, well, let's go ahead and get into this here. Gran Turismo Sport and I believe Gran Turismo 7, although uh, different game entirely on this, but these two games have something that I don't like all too much, which is uh, you can play them to a limited extent offline however you can't save you have to be online to save and I, I truly dislike that here but stating here that a ps4 racing game gt sport will refuse to save your in-game process if you're offline developer illusion thanks to a discovery by ninkai has released a patch to remedy this issue five years after the game's launch fantastic. Apparently the developers, not Illusion here, but the developers behind Gran Turismo Sport have stated that this is to prevent players from cheating online, example by leveling up through save file editors, and developer Polyphony has justified this in the past to implement similar restrictions on other games too. Uh, quoting here, the requirement for the online connection isn't specific to the cafe per se, it's just to prevent cheating overall from people trying to modify the save data. So that's the reason for the online connection. However, like Wololo is stating here, it's baffling or just lazy programming that such a limitation would also exist for offline and solo play. And of course here you do get this screenshot if you try this saying games will only be saved in Gran Turismo Sport while online. If you're unable to connect to the internet, your progress cannot be saved. You'll also be restricted in terms of what you can do in game. Now this is where it states that Hacker's Illusion as well as Ninkai come in with a patch that disables this online check when saving which is fantastic 
The patch doesn't seem to have any negative impact and it just works. You of course need a jailbroken PS4 to patch the binary and still be able to run it. Incidentally, jailbroken PS4s can't or shouldn't go online anyway, so that's pretty convenient. So what you can do is download the patch from his GitHub. You're going to need a tool to unpack and repack your PS4 package. Then you want to modify the eboot.bin and the process of all that and you should have this working here. So this is really cool to see. Now, if you're like me and you might not want to go through this whole process with the patch builder and such, I do wonder if this will work thanks to our uh, next topic that we can cover here. Stating just a few days after that was released that you can now load PS4 game patches, 60 frames per second, etc. directly with the Goldhin 2.2.5 Beta 7 and Goldhin Cheats Manager 1.0.0. And for anybody who might be thinking this sounds a little bit familiar, and even with the developer Illusion back there, Illusion's been really known for working on some really awesome 60 frames per second patches that they do provide on their GitHub, and then you have to patch your games manually on here. But now it seems like as long as you have the games with a newer beta build, at, the, at least at this time, of Goldhin and the latest Goldhin Cheats Manager, as long as you have the games and the patch files, you don't have to pre-patch the games. That's that's super cool to see. Covering this here, they state the Goldhen patch support for PS4. What's that? Some homebrew developers have been specializing in patches for official PS4 games that can alter how the game behaves, for example, by removing some unnecessary splash screens at startup or one of the most popular things nowadays, trying to get the game to run at 60 frames per second. Note that there's often a reason the developers didn't include a 60 frames per second mode in their game in the first place. 60 frames per second patches for PS4 games, when done properly, involve a compromise on some other feature. We've mentioned, in particular, developer Illusion many times on this blog for his work on The Last of Us, his 60 frames per second patches for Uncharted 4, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, and more recently his patch to remove the online play save limitation on GT Sport. Generally, these patches give you more options and sometimes even fix bugs for your PS4 games. And here's an example showing that uh, The Last of Us Remastered had improved loading speeds of right here, for example, they end up saving about 7 seconds of time. Patches are different from cheats in that they alter the game itself, the eboot, rather than a save file or a given variable in memory. The difference is quite subtle to be fair, but until now, patching a game required modifying its eboot.bin file, and for anyone who's confused that's kind of just like the game's executable, just think of it like that, uh, then usually repackaging the game and reinstalling it on the console. Not super difficult, but certainly cumbersome, in particular if you just want to try something. So the latest gold hint here brings the possibility to apply a given patch directly, with the game installed on the console, with the help of a plugin created by Illusion himself. This is where Goldhen Cheats Manager comes into play, by giving us a database of patches and a GUI to put all those components together, so that applying a patch to your favorite game is now a matter of just a few clicks, and I, I love this. I absolutely love this here. Now, Illusion has announced a better integration for his patch plugin into Goldhen for the days to come, with general plugin support added to Goldhen. In particular, he says the code will be open source for other devs to develop their own plugins for Goldhen. Fantastic. So it looks like we'll have some more plugins here, kind of similar to what we see in the PlayStation Vita with Hinkaku. Um, and that was really the originally the idea for the PlayStation 4, where as opposed to having multiple different uh, custom firmwares on there, you have one custom firmware, which is Hinkaku, and then two 
add your own variants to that so you can customize it as much or as little as you want to, you then add plugins. So everyone has the same base, for example, on the Vita, everyone is running Hinkaku, but depending on your plugins, you can run as much or as little modifications on top of that as you want to and truly customize your custom firmware to your liking. So to get this up and running, they do state here just a quick thing. You'll need a jailbroken PlayStation 4, of course. You can also get the latest Gold Hen beta in exchange for a small donation on Sistro's coffee page. You can get the latest version of the Cheats Manager, and then you can get the patch plugin as well too. So very cool. I haven't tried this out yet. Yet myself but I absolutely love the idea of this so I'll see um, how how much it changes as well too and I'd like to see even further improvements on this because I know there is still going to be further development as they said and this isn't beta but overall I think this is fantastic. Something real quick and cool here this did kind of just pop up but uh this is cmu the wii u emulator now this is a quite commonly well-known emulator it's not new by any means so some people might be wondering why i'm covering it in here even though this show isn't really typically news i guess it's you know new development and stuff but we don't break news on here point is as you can see i'm looking at the cmu uh well from cmu project the cmu project itself here on github because well um it's open source now. For quite a long time, CMU was closed source, and I mean it worked, and it worked incredibly well, but many people would like to be interested in the source code behind the project itself here, and the cool thing is, it is now open source. And you can even download the latest releases that are pre-compiled here from the releases page if you wish to, not just from the website. Although do keep in mind when it comes to this, it says that CMU is currently only available in a portable format, so no installation is required besides extracting it into a safe place but at the beginning here just kind of you know come back up top it says this is a code repository of cmu a wii u emulator that is able to run most wii u games and homebrew in a playable state it is written in c and c and is being actively developed with new features and fixes to increase compatibility convenience and usability cmu is currently only available for 64-bit windows and linux devices but you see here that there's links to the original 2.0 announcement post the website, compatibility list wiki, a subreddit, discord, an official matrix server, which I'm not sure about that. I don't know what that is. Uh, and then the unofficial setup guide, as well as CMU language and CMU community graphic packs, uh, just some other repositories here that you can check out. Either way, I'm not going into a huge amount of depth on this here, but if you've ever been interested in seeing how CMU works, well, it's open source. Lastly, I did also want to cover a couple of ports here, which it seems like the Vita community has really wanted for a while, and it's really awesome to see them in place now. This one is a little bit of an older announcement at this point, but this is Dead Space has been ported to Vita. Not the Dead Space you're thinking of, but kind of the Dead Space you're thinking of. Uh, well, Let's just get into this here. Again, this article is from Wolo.net, and this was by The Guardian here. But they state here, developer Gleetwine has released Dead Space Vita, a port of Dead Space Mobile. This follows other great Android ports for Vita, such as Fahrenheit, Crazy Taxi, Bully, GTA San Andreas, as well as Final Fantasy ports. So what is Dead Space for PS Vita? Dead Space Mobile. 
that's the important part, mobile. Dead Space Mobile is an Android iOS spinoff of the Dead Space franchise. Although this is not the main Dead Space you remember from the PS3, Xbox 360 era, don't be fooled by the mobile aspect of the game. It's really good. Wikipedia says, upon release, Dead Space received very positive reviews. Reviews emphasized to the extent to which the title replicated the look and feel of the Dead Space series within the limitations of a mobile touchscreen device, whilst also praising the fact that the game was a new story, not simply a port of the original Dead Space game. And it, it looks good here. Like this, keep in mind, this is a mobile game right here that we're looking at. This looks pretty good. Now from the ports readme, Dead Space is a 2011 survival horror mobile game for iOS and Android devices. A spin-off within the Dead Space series, the game is set after the events of the original Dead Space and prior to the events of Dead Space 2, and shows how the Necromorph outbreak began and spread through the Titan sprawl. This homebrew is a loader of the Xperia Play release of Dead Space, based on the Android SO loader by the flow. The loader provides a tailored, minimalistic, Android-like environment to run the official ARM version 6 game executable on the Vita. Please read the installation instructions on GitHub. We do have the controls right here and another screenshot checking this out here, but they do say this is how to download and install Dead Space for the Vita. So just looking at the readme on here, they say that you will need to install Kubridge and FD Fix and then add these over into your kernel plugins here. So just like I was talking before, for example, with the plugin system we're starting to see on the PS4, this is how it is right here. If you need, you know, if you're running an application such as this and you need Kubridge and FD Fix, you would download these two plugins and then you would just pop them into your config.txt file. You're also going to need libshack the suprx file and you'll need to put it in the ur0 data folder. And then you're also going to need a copy of Dead Space Mobile in an APK form. You'll need the latest version, I'm assuming here, this is going to be version 1.1.33, in which you'll need to extract out the files from that and then just place them into the appropriate directory for your installation. But here we go. This this is really awesome to see. Again, I know that this was asked for for years in the Vita community, so I know this has had some awesome development and updates on it so far. And just overall, really cool to see this port. I'm just loving all the ports that we've seen on Android in the past. Well, not Android, that we've seen on Vita in the past few years. Uh, but this same developer also just released another port of another Android game. This here, which I didn't even hear about this game, I've never heard of this game before, but Mass Effect Infiltrator, an unofficial port by Gleetwine. Again, this one's written here by Wololo, and they're stating here, developer Gleetwine has released a port of Mass Effect Infiltrator for PS Vita. This follows his release less than a month ago of a Dead Space port for PS Vita, as well as other ports such as, as mentioned before, Fahrenheit, Crazy Taxi, Bully, San Andreas, Final Fantasy. Now they also state here that Mass Effect Infiltrator is one of those two rare mobile game done well for a popular franchise, and incidentally made by the same company that made Dead Space Mobile. This is certainly not to the level of the main Dead Space franchise, but the atmosphere is here and it's a decent shooter. From the ports readme, Mass Effect Infiltrator is an iOS Android exclusive third person shooter with RPG elements released as a tie in game to Mass Effect 3. The player takes control of Randall Enzo, 
a Cerberus operative that ends up at odds with Cerberus's plans for himself and his co-workers. Much shooting and backstabbery ensues. This is a straight port from Android, leveraging the ARM version 7 wrapper by the flow, meaning no emulation is involved. And again, we have a screenshot right here, and this is looking pretty good. This means the game runs fine, but the PS Vita is not the fastest device on the planet. So in our test, we had several battles in which the framerate drop was a bigger threat than the actual gameplay. Dying because the game is slow is never fun, but I found that quickly looking for cover until assets are loaded helps in most situations. Using PSV shell to overclock the console might help. I haven't tried yet. They also state that controls can be occasionally stiff, but other than that, the game is pretty enjoyable and it's a blast to get back to the Mass Effect universe for those of us who never tried the mobile game before, such as myself here. I appreciate that the mobile game keeps some key components of the original game, such as weapon upgrades or the occasional Paragon Renegade choice to make. And then we have the controls here and right here on this just the download and install mass effect infiltrator for ps vita this is pretty similar to what we've seen before so of course you'll need to download the uh, vpk file for this itself but you're also going to need kubridge and fdfix plugins already downloaded and installed libshack yet again you're going to need to get the latest version i'm assuming here of mass effect infiltrator in apk form extract it out to pull the data files out that you'll need and then get this all installed and set up on here although they're also recommending to overclock your device to 500 megahertz overall again absolutely love seeing work like this here and just reintroducing some of these games to a new audience again i knew about the dead space mobile game uh, and unfortunately both these games have been delisted as well too so they're not as easy to get on mobile but i knew about the dead space mobile game back in the day i never heard of this uh, mass mass effect infiltrator so really cool to see here now i like to finish off these episodes with something sometimes random funny cool but just something in the realm of modding here and uh i'm not necessarily covering anything funny here and this is probably something that people have seen news of already which is why i didn't give it a full-on segment earlier on although we have been doing coverage like this for a while now and i have released some videos about this but well in short checking this out here something incredibly cool is that insignia live is open it it's available now well kind of it's in a closed beta at this point but it is a closed public beta and at this point now it states yeah insignia is currently invite only please request an invitation using the form below and you'll have to register an account on here and such and wait for an invite but the cool thing is if you register i from what i know everyone who's registering is getting invites like thousands of people you can see about 2500 registered users are available right now uh, at the time i'm recording this there's 32 games supported 37 players online at the exact moment i'm recording this and you can see all of these games that have been put up on here now for full disclosure i'm personally a alpha tester for this so i've had alpha tester access for several months prior 
But I wanted to highlight this here just because I, I really do support this project. I love this here. This is bringing back a dream for many people, which is rebooting the original Xbox Live 1.0. So you can use Xbox Live functionality on original Xbox games like this you're seeing here. This is not like X-Link Kai or XB Connect or Link or any of those tunneling services like land tunneling services. No, no, no. This is actually booting up a game like Star Wars Battlefront 2 and using the Xbox Live services on there to play online. Something that hasn't been possible publicly in, what, 12 plus years at this point. Really, overall, I'm just this makes me really happy to see. It's made me happy to know that this has been possible and feasible, and I am proud of the work that the team has done here. They're doing a whole lot of work behind the scenes constantly, so love the people over there. Really love this project. And if you've been watching Mod Chat for years, you know that we have covered several projects like this. Several of them. I can think of at least three projects related to Xbox Live 1.0 revivals that I have covered on this show over the past few years, including Insignia. So what I'm saying is, if you have an original Xbox console and you are interested in playing some games online on it again, or maybe even for the first time, definitely look into Insignia. It does work on modded and non-modded consoles, so you should be able to get up and running as long as you have an internet connection and just have a little bit of patience getting things dialed in. Either way, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope it was a fun watch. And you know, typically here at the very end, I like to pick a keyword or a key phrase. And if you use this in the comments on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. And I'm just thinking, you know, I was going to use turkey in regards to, well, American Thanksgiving, but I feel like that might be a little bit of a, well, too dead of a giveaway. Uh, so how about bird? I don't know if anybody likes birds, if you hate birds, if you've ever had a bird poop on your head, that has uh, that, that is an unfortunate thing to have happen, okay? Uh, or if you ended up eating a bird for the recent holiday, let me know. If you use the word bird in your comment on the YouTube upload, I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. If you are checking this out on YouTube and you've enjoyed it, a like would absolutely be appreciated. A dislike is fine as well, too. But as I always say, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. Until next time.